Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 27th of June, 2021. Happy, glorious Monday. To, uh, Monday suck. Who are we kidding? Happy, glorious Monday to you, ladies and gentlemen. But you know what? Next weekend is like a long weekend. I mean, it's not super long, but it is a holiday weekend. So you got that going for us. The thing I love about Monday's off, and I haven't even decided whether or not to actually take Monday off yet, but just in general. What I love about Mondays off is the week leading up to that three-day weekend, boom, goes by fast because you're looking at a three-day weekend. And then you got a four-day week after that. So the five days, those nine days, it doesn't seem like two weeks. Now, now the weekend, the three-day weekend is great. It's just I'm trying to figure out what the hell I want to do for the uh, Independence Day holiday. And that's a matter of figuring out. I'm not going out of town can't go back to the beach it's uh, jack up the prices like you wouldn't believe and they um they're all booked out people man people must be selling hunter biden a lot of drugs when we go to the beach as a family we uh we go midweek because we're cheap (laughs) anyway i hope you got big plans i could drive to pennsylvania good lord i was in costco the other day and I think it was like 200 bucks, but they're selling like a metric ton of fireworks that none of, I don't know what the law is here in Maryland. I don't think you're legally allowed to buy a lot of stuff that blows up. Uh, Michigan, you weren't allowed to buy a lot of stuff that blows up or shoots off or anything. Now it's different. But Pennsylvania is apparently the Wild West when it comes to fireworks. And they set up the stands and they set they uh, they chum the waters for all the surrounding states to come to Pennsylvania. And if you're going to blow your fingers off this year, make sure you give us some money first. And God bless them for it. you got to love capitalism. Anyway, uh, at the uh, end of the program today, as usually on Monday, we will be announcing the winner of the book, the autographed book. There are two autographed books up for grabs, Mike Huckabee and Dennis Leary. I will tell you that... Uh, no, I'm not going to tell you a damn thing. You'll have to wait till the end of the show to find out who is coming up next. I'll just say it's a United States senator, a very good United States senator. All right, let's uh, get on with uh, the program. I want to start off really brief. It's going to be a short show just because I um, I just have had a busy, busy weekend doing a lot of yard work and things like that. And there's not a lot going on. You know what's going on. It's the mutant brigade out protesting. It's the return of the mostly peaceful riot. It is the embrace of insurrection by the left-wing media. They don't care. It's a damn joke. It really is amazing to me that these people with a straight face can go and uh, report the news, as it were, with um, a straight face and talk about January 6th, two weeks, January 6th, January, my God, January the 6th, the darkest day in all of American history. Forget 9-11. The 3,000 Americans who were killed on 9-11 have nothing on uh, January the 6th where uh, only pro-Trump protesters were murdered. Other than that, no, it's horrible. Horrible. The worst day ever. Pearl Harbor. Man, I'll take a thousand Pearl Harbors over 
one day with about two and a half to three and a half hours of people giving self-guided tours in the United States Capitol. I tell you, you want to talk about fear. Just, I'm right there with you, AOC. I'm still traumatized at the prospect. God, how sickening can these people be? But uh, yeah, that was the biggest story in the world to now suddenly have the Supreme Court gun decision, uh, which I'm going to actually spend a lot of time on, and then the uh, Roe v. Wade decision, which I'm going to spend a little time on now. Overturning Roe v. Wade. Both of the the gun decision and the Roe v. Wade decision are... um, They're two sides of the same coin. The Second Amendment is pretty unambiguous, whereas the right to abortion in the Constitution is non-existent. So it's unambiguous versus non-existent. Yet somehow the left can look at the plain language of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and discern that abortion, up to and including the moment of birth and maybe until the kid gets a driver's license, should be protected legally, morally, specifically, explicitly by the Constitution that never mentions it, whereas the Second Amendment to the Bill of Rights about the right of the people to keep and bear arms. You can take your, you can choke on the, uh, well, what about the uh, well-regulated militia part? Yeah, they didn't say the well-regulated militia members are okay to keep and bear arms. There was no federal militia, no standing army to speak of. So the idea that they were talking about that was insane. They're talking about people who were going home and being militia members and so they could be called up at a moment's notice. First of all, it was, you know, the late 18th century. You're not going to get a lot of really speedy call-ups there. It's not all Minutemen everywhere. They're not going to live their lives on edge. The Minutemen were for a very specific purpose, and that was when the British came, because they knew the British were coming. The Just in case the frogs come down from Quebec or something, Minutemen would be like, you'd live your whole life in stress on edge, in case maybe a bunch of cheese-eating surrender monkeys come down from Canada. It just wasn't possible. But the Second Amendment does not say the right of the members of the well-regulated militia to keep and bear arms or the right of the states to keep and keep arms on behalf of that well-regulated militia should it ever come to be needed. It ain't what they said. It's not what they said at all. So it was unambiguous. You can't just chip away and chip away and chip away. Even if you can sit there and you say, well, there's all sorts of restrictions on the First Amendment. The restrictions on the First Amendment are very explicit in that they are usually imposed by corporations. It's not a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. But it's a legal thing. It's a constitutional thing. It's a jackassy thing, yeah, but it's a constitutional thing. Uh, So, yeah, unless it's urged by government or inspired by government or pressured by government or whatever. Government can't make no law. Government, Government can't make no law. Good thing I wasn't in Philadelphia in 1787. Government can't make no law that says nothing. (laughs) All right, please leave the room, Mr. Hunter. Uh, we got business to attend to. But it's unambiguous. Congress shall make no law. Congress shall make no law. They always say, the left always says, well, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. I don't encourage this. I don't encourage this. I discourage it, as a matter of fact. But you can, in fact, yell fire in a crowded theater. If there is a fire, yell it in a crowded theater. Get the people out of there. 
But you can also yell fire in a crowded theater when there is no fire in a crowded theater. You will not be held responsible and punished for yelling fire in a crowded theater. If somebody is injured, trampled, or what have you, or even at the if you cost the company business and the theater decides to sue you, there you will be held accountable. But if you yell fire in a crowded theater and everybody walks out orderly, everybody's going to hate you, as they should. You're a bit of a douchebag. But you will not face criminal charges. You'll probably be thrown out of the theater, and it is private property, and therefore their right to ask you to leave, to invite you to get the hell out of there. But you will not be carted off and chained. Now, you might. Somebody might arrest. A lot of people don't understand this. But you'd ultimately get the case tossed. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater because if 10 people get trampled to death like it's the Who in Cincinnati in 1979... There's a deep reference for you. You are criminally responsible. You will have caused that if there is no fire. If there is a fire, then all bets are off. But if there is no fire and you're just a D-bag yelling, fire, 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 get out, get out, get out, and people get trampled to death, you will have caused their deaths, and you would be responsible for that. You still wouldn't go to jail for yelling fire in a crowded theater directly. You would go to jail for causing the deaths of human beings through your actions, through your words. It's pretty simple, but the left never, they don't seem to understand it or they don't want their base to understand it. I don't know. Anyway, uh, tomorrow on the show, I'll get deeper into the abortion issue, to be honest with you. There's so many clips right now that I've been sorting through and I think, well, this show, this whole show would be clips if I did that. And so I want to get, make sure that I have some really good, the best of the best, because there's a lot of people just play a bunch of clips because there's a bunch of clips. They're uh, meh, okay clips. I want to have the best clips. And uh, so we'll get more into that tomorrow, but it is pretty unambiguous that this is a great day for federalism. You don't have to be pro-life to revel in this. You, can, you don't have to be pro-life to be anti-Roe. I don't know how many uh, people out there are indifferent towards the abortion issue. Honestly, if I'm telling you the truth, I spent most of my life being indifferent toward the abortion issue. It wasn't an issue for me. Um, I don't know. That's pretty cavalier about most things in my life, to be honest with you. Uh, but it just wasn't one of those things I spent a whole lot of time thinking about. I never thought it was a good thing, but I never really thought it was a, oh my God, it's the end of the world kind of thing. I was not... I was not a big fan of the concept of kids. Trying to make them, boom, I was right there with you. But I really liked that aspect of it. But actually having them and um, being around them, kids, once my friends started having kids, they started disappearing. And I'm like, oh, God, the kids, I hate kids. The kids were around, the kids would cry. Oh, and poopy diapers. I didn't really enjoy wiping my own butt all that much. I didn't want to do it to somebody else. And then... You get married and you kind of go, well, all right, I guess maybe we'll go. If you really, all right, well. And, and then you have them and then it's like your whole world. Your whole world changes. And you sit there and you go, all right, let's, let's have another one. Right now, if I had the money, I'd have, I don't know, two, three more kits. <laughs> Probably uh, not going to happen. But if, I, if the money were no object and just living in one of the most expensive areas of the country because that's where you work sucks, but... 
If money were no object, somehow my parents managed to raise five kids. My mother was not able to work. She did work. She um, she had a paper route, paper route. That she always called it a paper route. That uh, I don't. I don't think she delivered the paper. I think she delivered the papers to the paper boys. I think that was her job. I seem to recall in the family truckster, the station wagon, the bundles of papers, and we'd I'd go with her sometimes. It was only a the uh, Redford Observer. It was out. I think it was published Mondays and Thursdays only. So yeah, you know, we were rolling in the dough for mom's mom's job. But uh, I think my dad said my that the house payment was like two hundred and twenty dollars a month. That's, I guess that's what happens when you buy a house for ten thousand dollars in nineteen sixty two or whatever it was. But um, like my mom, I remember delivering bundles of papers. I think that's what we did. I don't remember driving around and having to like throw papers out of the car at everybody. But anyway, somehow they managed to have five kids off of that. <laughs> it, it was it was tight, but it was my mother was amazing. Good lord, she had a she had a system for organizing coupons and a nose for finding the absolute best damn deal around. Unbelievable deal. She she would uh, scour the earth for the sales papers for the deals and have the coupons that corresponded with it. So sometimes she would get stuff for free. Oh, they got double coupons and this is on sale now. It was amazing to behold. But uh, I, I learned a lot. Learned a lot from her. So I'm forgetting what I was talking about. Oh, abortion. So it wasn't really, I wasn't really interested in kids. And then I started having them. And then I absolutely love them and I'd have a million of them if I could. But uh, the thing is, they need to eat. They need diapers. They want this thing called a roof over their head. It's all this kind of stuff. Man, kids are a demanding group of brats. But like I always say, getting pregnant is as easy to avoid as being hit by a train. If you do not wish to have a child, do not play on the train tracks. All right? Don't have unprotected sex. And even if you go, oh, well, I have to have unprotected sex, man. No, I don't like that glove love, man. You got to do that. There are a million other things you can go through. There are a million. There's a whole like aisle at the CVS dedicated to making sure that you do not produce offspring unless you're ready to. Avail yourself of that. And if you're too stupid to figure out how any of that stuff works or what works best for you or what have you, then you're too damn stupid to be having sex. You expect me to care about it? I'm not going to. I'm never going to. So buck the hell up, become an adult, and become responsible for yourselves. Just saying it. Just saying it. Like I say, we'll have more of the great audio of that tomorrow. But I want to talk about guns. And then we'll get, I'll tell you who won and what the next drawing is and everything at the show at uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and at uh, DerekHunter.locals.com. Thanks to everybody who enjoyed the Week in Effort review there. It's still up. Join before June ends. We have a lot of things to talk about, of course, as always. There's always something going on. The Supreme Court, uh, well, well, where do I want to start with this thing? It is amazing. To, I say it all the time. <clears throat> Let me think about this. Gather my thoughts for a second. Bear with me, won't you? Um, I say all the time about how the... Um, 
the media are not particularly bright people. The media are not particularly honest people. They simply are people who can spew whatever talking point is necessary or read it off a teleprompter. These are people who play roles. There's no real difference between the cast of your favorite scripted drama and the so-called reality shows and the nightly newscasts. Everybody's cast for a reason. If you sit there and you watch these shows, they, they literally are, these reality shows. They do different takes on things. Oh, no, do that again. You got This time, say it this way. That's why there are writers on these shows. What do you, what do you think writers on a so-called reality show do? So um, cable news and news on television is no different. And what's amazingly sad is it wasn't always that way. You used to have to know what the hell you were talking about to get out there. It's not that tough to just become moderately educated on certain things. It's really not. I promise you it's not. But so many people choose to not do it. Now, you would think if you had a job that paid you hundreds of thousands, if not millions, it's usually millions of dollars a year if you're a host, that you would recognize that, okay, you work one hour a day. You really work one hour a day, but you probably put in, I don't know, a couple of hours at least, in prep time, or you should. But it becomes abundantly clear that while some people still do, most people in that position don't. They simply do not. The ladies on The View do zero show prep, probably show up. I'm sure they show up early for makeup. You got to, like, sandblast life off the face of Joy Reid and Whoopi Goldberg. You got to get there in plenty of time to get the machines fired up and give the team a chance, a chance to do their jobs. In the era of high-definition television, you've got to, they probably got to get there about two, three hours early. But as far as the topics go, they don't know anything about anything. And it's almost a point of pride. But it's not really a point of pride. It's just almost a point of pride. You'd think by now that these people would be informed that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And some of them would go, oh, I'm, I keep getting corrected online or I keep getting called out for my ignorance. I should probably study up on these issues. The news in general, I know some people want to tell you they do nothing but show prep and there's all that. That's not, it's... That's not the way the world works. You know what the news is going to be tomorrow. You know what the news is going to be after that. For the most part, you can probably nail 80 to 90% of it. And if you actually do follow the news and you have followed the news for the vast majority of your life, you don't need to spend hours and hours and hours studying and mapping things out. If you have things to say and have thoughts and have had thoughts throughout your life, you don't need to... um, Spend time writing down your thoughts and thinking about them and trying to figure out what to do and what to, you just say what you say. It's, this show is more fly by the seat of your pants than you could ever possibly imagine. It's not that I don't do show prep. I do show prep. My whole life is show prep. My whole life has been show prep. But uh, because my whole life has been show prep, I can do 
show prep in two hours. I could do show prep in three hours. I could, if necessary, if some weird reason I overslept, like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I could probably do the show by looking at a couple of websites live at the moment because I know the issues that are coming up and I've followed the news my whole life. Anybody else is trying to impress you for some weird reason. The ladies on The View <laughs> don't do that. They've never really been all that interested in it. Now, which is funny because a couple of them come from the news business. One in particular, Anna Navarro, has been a commentator. Now, I guess that's not really, you know, I got to be consistent. That's not the news business. That is the cable entertainment business. She is a CNN contributor. So there's no real standards for being a CNN contributor, as evidenced by Anna Navarro. She used to be a nominal Republican. Her claim to fame was, I believe it was, she was in charge of Hispanic outreach for Jeb Bush. You know, those conservative bona fides run deep in Anna Navarro. (laughs) Could you imagine? Only in the world of CNN does somebody with that on their resume. Conservative outreach or uh, Hispanic outreach for Jeb Bush go, well, there's a right winger for you. Because all she does is whine and complain about Republicans on CNN. Like, yeah, that's what you got to do. But you got that R after your name. So uh, the checks keep coming. And it led her to The View. Certainly wasn't her intelligence or good looks or her charm that led her to The View. She sounds like she's chewing all the time when she's talking, or at least has a mouthful of food, as she will in this clip I'm about to play for you. But it is um, wildly ignorant of the most basic understanding of how this company country works and is supposed to work. Yesterday, the Supreme Court released the decision on the Second Amendment the overly restrictive laws and regulations that New York State had in place to prevent damn near anybody unless they could absolutely prove that once they left their house, there was a better than average chance that somebody would try to kill them. In New York, you were denied the right to carry a concealed firearm. The same sort of thing exists here in the the state of Maryland. It is a may-issue state rather than a shall-issue state. To hear the left talk about it, the Supreme Court, led by Clarence Thomas, it was his birthday, and he released, he wrote to the majority decision. You gotta love, these people, God, these leftists are so damn stupid. They don't think, they say, well, they don't think before they speak, they don't think before they tweet, it doesn't. You don't have to have the before part. They just don't do those things. They do not think. There was a lot of them out there talking about how, oh, the if if black people started getting guns, this would change. Again, that racist trope that uh, that the left loves to spew. They also had somebody like Ron Perlman. He's an actor. I think his biggest claim to, he played Hellboy. And I believe he was a beast in the TV show Beauty and the Beast. He tweeted out, he ended up deleting it because people kept pointing out to him how damn stupid he was. The latest Supreme Court decision on firearms neglects to say the one thing they actually meant to say 
semicolon, for whites only. Now, Ron Perlman, the actor, deleted that tweet because the majority decision was written by the black guy on the Supreme Court. Even for a liberal, that was too damn stupid. So there is a bottom they can hit. Well, it's more like a shelf they can bounce off of as they continue their journey down. Now, Anna Navarro was on The View. They don't know why. They they keep on having... They have the same band of four idiot leftists on there all the time, and they're trying to audition one conservative, one token conservative. And it doesn't get much more token than Anna Navarro. But they bring in people like Alyssa Farah, who's terrible. She's just god-awful. She's a CNN contributor as well. You have to sell out everything. She tell, sold out her... Her father is... Um, I can't remember what right-wing website conservative. It's a, it's, a, it's a website I don't go to. But her father made a fortune off of this website. Conservative, right-wing, extremist news. And Anna Farah got a job in the Trump administration, most likely because her father pulled some strings and called in some favors. And now she's uh, all against Donald Trump. She's trying to play it high and mighty because she's got a CNN gig. CNN, it's your brain on CNN. You become a moron. They're auditioning her for The View as well. They are auditioning anybody who out there who used to be a nominal Republican who is willing to do nothing but criticize Republicans and not be conservative on anything. It's a hell of a job. All you have to do is sell out your soul. So it's perfect for somebody who doesn't have a soul or somebody who isn't self-aware, doesn't have a brain, like Anna Navarro. The Supreme Court decision yesterday said that New York cannot blanket deny people the right to carry a firearm to defend themselves simply because the state has determined that there is not a big enough threat or a real threat to their lives. It is not a an order to make New York State a may-issue state. It is not. It is saying that the restrictions, the blanket restrictions and the hurdle that New York set was too damned high. You cannot restrict people's rights like that, rights that are protected by the Constitution of the United States. Unambiguously. The left always wants to believe that it is ambiguous. We'll get to that in a second. Oh, no, no, it's about a regulated militia and only muskets and everything like that. So Anna Navarro goes on The View And she talks about how tone-deaf the Supreme Court is. This is greeted as though it is um, brilliant, as though it is smart. Listen to her try to make the case. So what to me this decision is, is tone-deaf. Yeah, To the the very uh, American epidemic and reality we are living. We are in a state where just a month ago, There was a mass shooting Mm -hmm. at a supermarket where people are not safe. We are at a time in American politics where the pressure and the outrage by Americans, the the majority of Americans, Mm -hmm. is such that we're finally seeing bipartisan movement in the Senate on on crafting a a gun reform legislation. This is a victory for the NRA. Victory. She does sound like she's got like a mouthful of eggs or something. This is a victory for the NRA. It's a totally tone-deaf The Supreme Court should never, ever 
lick its finger and stick it up in the air to see which way the wind is blowing and base a decision on that ever. Liberals do all the time. That's what you hear the amen chorus of morons there at the view. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If she had just said, can I get an amen? She would have gotten an amen. Oh, yes. This is so tone deaf. Can you believe how tone deaf the Supreme Court? They should have read the room. They, if the Supreme Court would only look at what's going on in the news right now, then they could curtail our rights accordingly. No. The American people, the attention of the American people, the uh, whims of the American people can be easily manipulated, can change on a dime. Rights shouldn't, can't, or they aren't rights. Rights are rights. Whether they're popular or unpopular, it doesn't matter. That's why, you know, the the, the uh, ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, they used to defend people who said wildly unpopular things. The First Amendment case, government trying to shut them down, government trying to deny people, horrible people, rights to uh, march, rights to hold protests, whatever it was, the government would try to deny horrible people. Well, the Klan, we don't want the Klan. Nobody wants the Klan around. They have the right. And the ACLU would step up and go, we're going to defend them. They'd win. Because constitutionally, the, uh, the only speech that needs protecting is unpopular speech. The worse it is, the more protection it needs. And you can sit there and go, well, why would you protect something like that or somebody like that? Because fine, you can all agree this is horrible. This speech is terrible. They're horrible people. And we go, well, let's ban it. And, all right, good, good. Now what you've done is you've broken the dam, the concept. You've seeded the concept. There are some things that are so horrible that they need to be banned. And then all you need is 50.1% of the population in a poll saying the majority of people want this speech banned. And you're sitting there going, well, that's not, that's not bad. That's not anywhere near what we'd, we'd already agreed to ban. And they said, well, you've seeded the concept. Too bad. The majority agrees. The idea that the Supreme Court is tone deaf is exactly what you want. The Supreme Court should be, I don't care if they're oblivious, but they should be indifferent to the sentiments of the American people. It is about the Constitution. That is their job. Their personal beliefs should not matter. Leftists, nonstop, their personal beliefs desperately matter. You can find it in this case. They don't like guns very much, and so they just sit there and they find, this is wrong. The dissent, it was a six to three vote. The dissent in this case, written, uh, it was um, written to mention the shootings in Uvalde and in Buffalo. Well, I'm sorry, those are horrible things, but the constitution is not dependent on horrible things happening the worst case scenario the constitution is a constant so something horrible happens and we go all right well then normally we would have said that the constitution is right but this is so horrible so egregious that we're going to change it we're going to ignore the constitution there there is no provision in that in the Constitution for it. Well, if it's the if it's really bad clause, you can ignore the uh, parts of the Bill of Rights that you don't like. No, absolutely not. Otherwise, you don't have rights. You exist at the whim 
of government. Your rights exist at the whim of government as much as they can be considered rights if they exist at the whim of government. So this decision has gotten the left absolutely insane. They cannot handle the idea that people are now free. Now, it's it's kind of funny because it tells you a lot of what the... uh, the left thinks about you, about us, about Americans. What, is it, what am I saying? They believe that if people are allowed to legally defend themselves or carry a firearm for their own personal protection, that it would just become everywhere would become a war zone, that everywhere would become a war zone, as if the only thing stopping us from just becoming a a serious band of murderous goons is the convenience of having a firearm in our, in our pocket. They don't believe (laughs) they think you're terrible. They think you're a horrible person. And I'm not joking about that. This is who they are. This is what they are. This is what they think of the people they supposedly represent. Now, uh, Lori Lightfoot, the uh, Beetlejuice, whatever, the mayor of Chicago. I don't know what her birth name is, but she goes by Lori Lightfoot. She was on uh, one of these shows. She was on MSNBC, and she's talking to Katie Turd. Katie Turd is very, very earnest in her question of this, too. Katie Turd is like talking to uh, talking to a child who just lost their first pet. That's kind of how she's addressing Mayor Lightfoot. No, no, this is just terrible. What does it mean to you? Now, Chicago has more murders than other cities in the country. Not the highest per capita uh, always, sometimes. But certainly in raw numbers, Chicagoans are being shot to death uh, pretty regularly. And they're being shot to death pretty regularly with illegal guns. The city is flooded with illegal guns. You can't really say, oh, no, now there's, it's a horrible... Hor-. The person least likely, the gun least likely to be used to harm another human being, least likely, is the legally owned firearm, the licensed firearm wielded by the licensee. That's just a fact. The vast majority of crime in this country that involves firearms involve illegal weapons, guns that were bought illegally, bought on the black market, smuggled around. However you want to get talk about it and get to it, it doesn't really matter. That's the truth. That's the world that the left has created. So to sit there and say, well... Now that people will be able to defend themselves, there's going to be a, it's going to be the OK Corral out on uh, <laughs> on Michigan Avenue. Not bloody likely, not bloody likely. And by the way, it's all, to the extent that it's already a problem. It's Michigan Avenue is smash and grab, mob lootings. Maybe a couple of uh, people, fewer people, would decide to break into the Louis Vuitton store if they thought that the manager at the Louis Vuitton store might have a gun and might feel threatened by 150 people charging in through a smashed window to grab everything they possibly can, people in a feeding frenzy. doesn't matter if he's only got a six-shooter, 150 people, eh, they don't want to be one of those six that are shot. So it impacts behavior. But no, 
to the left. The problem isn't the criminal element. Hell, they're trying to let them out of prison as quickly as possible. The problem is you, the law-abiding, the people who want to be able to defend themselves. And the people who have the biggest problem with this, the idea of us being able to defend ourselves, are always the people with bodyguards. Have you ever noticed that? Isn't it weird how that works, either in their workplace or in just everyday life? The mayor has bodyguards that follow her around. The governor of New York has bodyguards that follow her around. The ladies on The View, they have bodyguards at the station. I'm sure that their drivers are all assigned drivers are packing heat, and I guarantee you they live in doorman buildings not where the doorman is not just sitting there armed with a nice, pleasant disposition, but probably some sort of serious firearm. Anyway, listen to the mayor of Chicago talk about how devastated she is by this decision. And that is notable. I, I do want to ask you, though, because you are in a unique position, given all of the gun violence that you have to deal with um, coming out of your city. Just tell me the impact of having more guns on the street. What do, what do the rest of us need to know? It's, it's devastating. I mean, it's just fundamentally devastating. I ha have made so many calls to moms and dads and relatives who have lost um, loved ones because of gun violence. And, and increasingly what we're seeing, it's not quote-unquote gang-related. It's petty disputes that in other times without a gun maybe would end up in some hurt feelings, maybe a bloody nose, but certainly not death. And making those calls, there's no words of condolence that I can bring to a parent who has lost a child to gun violence. It is a devastating, deep blow to them. The proliferation of illegal guns is a challenge of our time, and we have got to rise up as a country and recognize the, the devastating, lifelong impact that it has on victims. And I'm glad you asked the questions because I think too many times in these conversations, the victims and survivors are second thought, not in my city. They have bonded together, the grace that they show and purpose over pain that they um, engage in is incredible. But it is devastating to them, and we can never lose sight of the victims and the survivors. It's devastating to them. They're all victims. 99% of them are victims of illegal guns in uh, gang-related shootings. I love what she said. Increasingly, more and more, it's becoming just people having disputes. Hey, your dog pooped on my lawn. No, it didn't. Bang, bang, bang. Well, that might be something in the culture you might want to address if that's the case. Although I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that most people who, you know, people who are lovely human beings otherwise. Why, it was this guy who went on the killing spree because his dog uh, pooped on somebody's lawn. Uh, he was, nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. He was just a normal guy, but he got that gun. Once he had that gun, he just couldn't resist the siren call of the firearm that, you know, causes people to kill each other. They really believe that we are just waiting for the approval of them. Give us our firearms so that we can go on killing sprees. She says this, of course, surrounded by armed security 24-7. They protect her constantly. 
Another person who is protected constantly is New York Governor Kathy Hochul. I told you the other day when I was in New York, I saw the governor of New York standing around seemingly desperate to be recognized and just never was. Nobody gave a damn that, hey, there's the governor of New York. She is unelected. She's the accidental governor. She runs a lot of TV ads. She's got a lot of money. There's a lot of money in New York that they, the uh, special interest left-wing groups throw a lot of money towards who they assume is the uh, front runner. And sadly, the Democratic Party is in such shambles that even in New York, they can't do any better than this idiot. You would think, like, please, AOC run. Something, they'd somebody be begging, Hillary Clinton, please come out. Nope. Nope, this is probably going to be the next governor of New York. She, at a press conference yesterday, because this was a decision uh, specifically about a case in New York, went on and gave the typical left-wing line that the great unwashed, uneducated people give, and that is that the Second Amendment really only applies to muskets because that was what was around at the time. This is an argument so uh, bereft of intelligence that she could eat she might not i don't know maybe she won't win the governor's race but boy howdy she'll get a job on the view if she doesn't and i'm sorry this dark day has come they were supposed to go back to what was in place since 1788 when the constitution of the united states of america was ratified and i would like to point out to the supreme court justices that the only weapons at the time were muskets I'm prepared to go back to muskets. I don't think they envision the high-capacity assault weapon magazines intended for battlefields as being covered from it, but I guess we're just going to have to disagree. <laughs> intended for battle. You can now walk into a gun shop and buy a weapon that is intended for battlefield use. Those are fully automatic weapons. If you were sent into battle with a semi-automatic weapon with a 10 bullet maximum in your clip you would throw an absolute fit and you would refuse to go but the idea well this is about muskets this only applies to muskets okay governor lead by example i know for a fact that you travel with at least four members of a personal protective detail probably provided by the new york state police would be my guess but maybe there's some other entity there in new york that provides the personal protection whatever it is they look like serious dudes and they had the bulges under their jackets in all the right places for a firearm get rid of it give them muskets we'll even let you have a bayonet on those muskets how does that sound lead by example governor please do show us how it's done show us how we don't really need these things because um, unless you do, you're a raging hypocrite. Of course, she travels. I saw a video of her yesterday walking through a crowd. She had a much larger security detail. I believe it was twice as big, eight. So who knows? Maybe she's doing something at the hotel we stayed at that she didn't want that many people to know. And then when she's out in public, she uh, she travels with a larger crew. Whatever the case is. Your argument that the founding fathers at the time of the drafting of the Constitution and the adoption of the Bill of Rights couldn't possibly have envisioned the weapons we have today, it, it doesn't pass the laugh test. It doesn't pass the smell test. Why? 
increases in the capacity and accuracy and reloading and all that of firearms happened quite regularly at the time of the founding and during the lives of the founding fathers. They were always introducing new sorts of weapons. Accuracy was a major problem. They tried all sorts of things and get developed all sorts of ways, the, uh, the boring of the, the barrel to try to increase accuracy. The idea of a weapon being able to fire multiple rounds before needing re, uh, reloading was not so bizarre as to be beyond the pale. It's not that big of a stretch. Maybe you couldn't envision a Tommy gun with a 100-round uh, magazine there all wound up. Maybe you couldn't. You can make that argument. It doesn't matter because it was the concept of a firearm that they were defending. But if we're going to take your belief in the Constitution, if you can call it that, to heart, then I guarantee you, I absolutely guarantee you, that if you put on a table in front of the Founding Fathers the prospect of advances in firearms to the point that there are individual bullets that, you know, the capacity of a gun to fire multiple things, all of that versus the new modes of communication, the new modes of speech, this one on which I am speaking to you right now, the Internet, the radio, the television. And you said, uh, all right, founding fathers, brainstorm, figure out what the future of a gun might be versus figure out the future of speech might be platforms ways of communicating I mean, go to town have your brainstorming session spend a couple of hours on both and see what you come up with now don't be be as wild and creative as you want go nuts and let's see what you come up with i guarantee you that they will be much much closer to the reality of what happened with firearms than what happened with communication holding my iPhone 12 in my hand. I doubt highly that the Founding Fathers would have conceived of this device where I can not only call anybody on the whole entire planet, but I have at my fingertips access to all the information gathered throughout all of human history. That seems a bit bizarre. The Internet itself probably seems like something that the Founding Fathers would have never envisioned at all they couldn't see beyond book they loved their books they absolutely loved their books that something would render books damn near obsolete and fit in your pocket all books every book is not something they could have really envisioned there was no technological leap in their lifetime like that the closest they come is the the two pen machine that thomas jefferson invented so he could write a letter and make himself a copy of that letter simultaneously. That was advanced technology. Firearms were constantly advancing. So does that mean, Governor Hochul, that the First Amendment, the right to free speech, shall not be infringed, Congress shall make no law, doesn't apply to the Internet, doesn't apply to telephonic communications, doesn't apply over the public airwaves, doesn't, unless it's in person or written on parchment with a quill, is that the only way 
the First Amendment applies because I guarantee you they didn't even consider the fax machine. Carrier pigeons. I don't even know if carrier pigeons were around at that point. The argument that the left makes, if you just look at it from the most basic perspective, falls apart if you bring any semblance of common sense to it whatsoever. Which is why it never falls apart with Democratic voters. (laughs) Just saying. All right, that's enough for today. It's Sunday after all, Monday, now that you're hearing this. And I've got business to attend to here on the program the winner of the autographed book. It was between Dennis Leary and Mike Huckabee. Dennis Leary's going this week. The winner is Sean Rankin. Congratulations, Sean. You have a message from me in Patreon. Or, yeah. Congratulations, Sean. Check your email for a message from me. I need your address, dude. Congratulations. This week's contest, that means... Mike Huckabee is coming back, and he's going up against Utah Senator Mike Lee, autographed edition of Our Lost Constitution, the willful subversion of America's founding document. And you go inside, you can see the pictures of it. There it is. Best wishes, Mike, Senator Mike, I think it's, anyway, I got this signed in person, so it's, it's really him. Some of them put, like, Senator, some of them put U.S. Senate at the end of it. It's just Mike Lee there. Mike Lee versus Mike Huckabee. The Battle of the Mikes. Let's do this thing, huh? Go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast and uh, find the post with it and comment on it or at uh, locals at derekhunter.locals.com. All you do is just say, I'd like uh, the Huckabee book. And that's it in the comment section. It's pretty simple, pretty darn basic. And if you're lucky enough to have the names drawn by my children, who are currently sleeping, although dinner's almost ready, they're sleeping because we spent significant amount of time today in the uh, inflatable pool, which baking in the sun and running around in the pool that I, I can lay down and this is probably, it's eight feet around or something like that. I can lay down and bath water is glorious, absolutely glorious. But uh, it's probably waist deep for them. Running around in that, even being thrown around in that, and the little buggers are splashing like crazy, has worn them out. So it's remarkably quiet around the Hunter household. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow for a full another show. Have a great one. Thanks for listening.